I'm Liam McDevitt, and you're tuned in to my favourite podcast, The Lock-In with Mike and Baz. Okay, Crouchy's podcast is better. So it's my favourite podcast presented by two men with beards. Harry oh, Bikers, have they got a podcast? Okay, it's a decent podcast. Make sure you have a listen. Coming up on this week's show. Running on the treadmill. And just and a, a minute before I went live with Eddie Izzard, the producer said to me, just so you know, Eddie prefers female pronouns. And I was like, oh shit, I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna say something wrong. And it was literally a minute before I, I got put through to her. Uh, but luckily, when you're talking to them, you don't use, you realise that you don't actually use the pronouns. Mm, so yeah, yeah. actually all right. I had to do my intro a few times because I have to say like, it's honour to talk to him. Oh shit, I've got to redo that bit. <laughs> Hello, 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 and welcome to the Lock-In Podcast. My name's Mike, and this is Baz. Say hello, Baz. Hello, Baz. Do you know, Baz, I love saying that, but that is the last time we're ever going to say that, because for those of you who aren't listening, don't get too upset, but this is the last ever edition of the Lock-In Podcast. Don't switch off, don't panic, or don't ever not come back. Um, We're changing the format and changing the name um, as of next week. Um, but this is the last episode. This is the last time we're going to be in our virtual pub, the Brace of Reedlings. Um, you know, we've done 55 shows. Um, it's been amazing, but we're moving on. And we are going to, as of next week, um, because we enjoyed the two episodes where we came forward with our mildly controversial opinions, because we enjoyed those so much, as of next week, this podcast will be known as the Mildly Controversial Podcast. Ta-da! Ha-ha! Um, <laughs> so, so that is basically, um, it's just two middle-aged blokes, me and him, um, just getting worked up about stuff that doesn't really matter. So it's amazing. So before we get started, make sure you don't think we've disappeared. So subscribe, click the button, click for notifications, share it with your friends, um, tell everyone every single button on social media you can find to press. Press that, and we'll be back next week. Um, with the mildly controversial podcast. Well, I've got to say, I'm quite pleased that you said we, because it means I'm still involved. Yes, yes. Well, to, to be fair, Baz, after 50, 50, this is our 55th show, um, you are, um, I forgot to tell you, you are on a 100-show probationary period. Oh, so, well, that's okay. Then. <laughs> so we've still got, you've still got 45 more um, auditions um, to go there, Baz. Um, but yes, so this is the last time we'll be in the Brace of Reelings. Um those of you who don't know what the Brace of Reedlings is, Google it. It's quite a funny joke. Um, okay, so tonight, and um, as I say, we are. this is the second episode of our new season. And it might seem like a, uh, a bit of an odd thing to do, to change the name and the format of a podcast. Two episodes in to, uh, to a season. And it is an odd thing to do, but there is a reason why. And that reason why is that we have a guest on tonight. Um, who is the creator and writer of a mockumentary set in lockdown. Now, as you probably are aware, um, Baz and I met through TikTok, through lockdown. This podcast was born through lockdown. It was even called the Lockdown Lock-In to begin with. Um, so we just thought that it would be an amazing way to kind of round this thing off before we change the format and change the name um, by talking um about lockdown, reminiscing about lockdown, and plugging the shit out of a new show for Amazon <laughs> Prime. So, um, without further ado, let's get onto the show. The co-sorry, the uh, creator 
and writer of um, the show. I'm going to let him talk you through all the details about the show. Um, Mr. Lawrence Prestige, how are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for being patient through uh, that massively rambling uh, long intro, but I felt it needed oh, to great. be said. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, welcome. Uh, welcome to the Brace of Reelings. Um, I hope you realise what uh, what an iconic moment this is. <laughs> I know, right? Like, you told me just before we came on, it was like the pressure. It is sad that the, that the pub's closing. Uh, we thrived through COVID. Uh, we made it through that. Um, but uh, unsurprisingly, with um, the, uh, the utility bills going through the roof uh, and the fact that there's only ever two, possibly three people in this pub, um, inevitably... Um, it's not cost effective to keep it open anymore, so we are uh, we are closing it down. But um, but yeah, as I mentioned, um, you are the creator and writer of um, of a new show that is going to be on uh, Amazon Prime starting on September the twenty eighth. Um, the show is called Keep Calm and Carry On. Um, I'm not telling you; I'm telling everyone at home. By the way, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming you already know that bit. Filling me in. Yeah. Um, so what I want to do is I want to play a, a little trailer. Um, this is literally the most professional thing that's ever happened on this podcast, by the way. Um, we're going to play a trailer for the show. Um, it'll work on the YouTube. Not sure it'll work on the audio, but we're going to do it anyway. So we'll play a trailer and then we'll talk to you about the show. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Show for living with a monster! Those who fall must pay the price. We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't know where. Just call my name. That's it. And I'll be there. See you. <laughs> you are an absolute <laughs> You clown. You were always a spineless little weasel, you two-faced Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. There we go. So, yeah, if that didn't make any sense at all on the audio podcast, then that's your cue to go over to watch it on YouTube because uh, that's where it is. Absolutely. Um, first thing I've got to say, um, someone on that looked very like you. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it was me. Um, I play one of the characters, play Harry, Harry Keegan. Um, yeah, and uh, it was just a brilliant, um, it, you know, it's one of these weird things. Like, I mean, I wrote it during lockdown. I think it was, you know, cheaper than therapy really just to write a, to, to kind of write a comedy uh just to kind of make sense of what everyone was going through and it's not really so much about covid it's more about the lockdown of covid you know none of the characters sort of you know get covid contract covid no one you know has to go to hospital or anything like that it's more just about having you know being in those isolation um isolation lifestyle with your family and just kind, kind of driving people up the 
up in driving your family up the wall really because you're sort of treading on each other's toes all the time uh and that's kind of you know what the the story was about and yeah as you say i play uh one of the characters in it one of the families now um as the um as the creator and the writer um is is acting something you've always wanted to do or were you literally just keeping costs down <laughs> well i think it was handy it was it's one of those things like can i can i do the role and save money um and it was yeah you know it was uh a bit of a think about it but no i, I think it was um so yeah acting was something that I, i've d always done since i was a teenager you know in, in terms of theater never really done television before um and so it was uh it was a big challenge um but you know i, I think when it was just talking to the director and and, and stuff and um because I am quite friendly with Kelly Shirley, who plays my wife, Hannah, who is, you know, she's in the office and um, been in EastEnders and things like that. Um, we kind of, we didn't have like a lot of time to prepare really in terms of, uh, it was kind of like, we had the cast, we had the budget, it was kind of like film it now, because we didn't know if there was going to be, we mean we filmed this last year and it was just after we came out of a second or third lockdown and we didn't know if we were going to have a chance to, how long we'd have a chance to film it, you know, without there being another lockdown. So um, we didn't have too much time to prepare, um, but because me and Kelly um, kind of had like a nice natural sort of chemistry, I suppose, as as friends, as friends and people that have spoken to each other before. Uh, it just sort of made sense that we kind of able to do the the young couple married driving each other nuts with the kids quite uh, naturally. So, uh, so you say this is this is this the first time you've acted in front of cameras and produced yourself on screen? Yeah. Um, yeah, more or less. In, in terms of this scale, like a, a massive, uh, like done independent stuff before for, for yeah. uh, a few friends and stuff like that. But yeah, in terms of like a massive Amazon Prime uh, TV show, um, yeah, this is the first sort of time I've been involved in that world. Sorry, was this, was this made for Amazon Prime or was it something that you made and then hawked out to people and Amazon Prime said, yeah, we'll have it? I think it was, uh, so we have a producer called uh, Kaylee uh, who's, who works so incredibly hard throughout the series you know i kind of did all the, the the writing and stuff like that helped where i could but i mean she's kind of got the um experience as a producer i should i should say so yeah i mean we had um i know we had uh, discussions of itv and um uh amazon from quite early on but now we filmed it first we had a budget to film it and um we were confident that there were going to be offers like you know there are people interested in the concept of it um that sort of mockumentary style of um making it about covid but not too much about covid mm. um because you know we didn't want to kind of i don't know if people are sort of ready to deal with too much covid stuff and yeah. you know when i was writing it that was a bit of a, a challenge to do lockdown stuff but without mentioning covid too much um but yeah i mean writing it was uh was just something that like i said it was cheaper than therapy and going through it all the time and not necessarily having an agenda to where it was going to end up but uh luckily you know kaylee and her, her production company loved it and were very confident about um get, getting uh, getting it at home and amazon prime was the natural natural fit really uh you are now on a growing list of people who have an imdb listing so i want to thank you for that very much but <laughs> <laughs> baz is keeping a tally of how many people we have on the podcast that have got their own imdb page so right okay it's, it's, it's a bit like you know collecting collecting stickers or something like he's, 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 you've made him very very happy okay i mean i think the premise of the show is amazing i, I love i love kind of the mockumentary format and it's quite a um widely known uh format now um there's uh, uh, lots of uh, lots of ones have been done but it's the 
I think the the, the 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 kind of theme of it will resonate with a lot of people just because um look the last couple of years have been shit for a lot of people but there has been a lot of positive and you know fun and things to make you smile and and things like that coming out of it as well um so i think yeah it, it it's uh, it's certainly a subject that um a lot of people will uh, will relate to um and i'm guessing that like you know the characters and the situations and things you've you've put in there are are things uh, that you think people will relate to uh, as well Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you say, it's not too COVID heavy, but you know, we we put things in there like, you know, and everyone had to do the first the experience the COVID test for the first time and so, you know, putting the thing <laughs> yeah. up your nose and in your mouth and stuff. And you know, there's some there is natural comedy in that. So, you yeah. know, it's figuring out where that was. Um, and then just you know, being in the out of shape, unfit dad with the kids watching Joe Wicks at home trying to do Brilliant. the workout stuff. And it, it it was just kind of that stuff that we we tried to focus on. And um and as I say, just, you know, going insane because you're trying to homeschool, you're trying to keep the kids entertained, um, you're missing your family. And then, you know, having a teen, you know, one of the um, actors plays my teenage daughter. And obviously she's someone that's missing friends and having a, a romance with someone and, you know, worried that how where that's going because they can't see each other. And, yeah, it's, it was really interesting just to just to see all the characters who are at different stages of their life, how it affects um, the more personally uh, dealing with COVID. How much of it was written from personal experience? Quite a lot. I, th I think a lot of it was just um, uh, your friends telling you stories about how they're coping and then just thinking there might be something in there, like a little seed of something, and you sort of really exaggerate it. Um, you know, some um, really just funny funny moments. You know, people, um, I, there's this one person that... Uh, that I knew that, that we do do it in a series that where they thought they had COVID and was sick from it. They didn't have COVID in the end, but they, and this was during the first lockdown and they did an Instagram live doing a Q and A on their Instagram. <laughs> whilst it, like in bed thinking they were really poorly, like I'm going to do an Instagram live Q and A about, yeah. you know, what COVID's like. Um, and I heard that story and that was just something I was just like, oh, I've got to put that <laughs> thinking that um, in one of the episodes. So yeah, I, I think just hearing these little, um, uh, these little uh, stories about how we all coped in lockdown, you know, going, going shopping and, you know, trying, you know, running out of toilet roll because everyone's for whatever reasons, just, you know, decided that toilet rolls really like gold dust at that point and you know you have to get as much toilet roll as you can from the shopping you put a, they put a tabs on how much you can get and things like that um so yeah it was uh it was really interesting to to sort of adapt that, those little stories that you'd hear about into a into a television show i mean it, it is really interesting because um obviously like baz and i started uh, on tiktok in lockdown like you know hundreds of thousands and millions of people did um, and that's how we met through like, through uh, through TikTok. But yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of my early work on TikTok was um, <laughs> was based in uh, was based in lockdown, and it was just thinking of taking the piss out of the situation everybody was in. Uh, and it was like you know that one of them was like you know first week of lockdown, you know literally like you know the, the Tesco delivery guy turns up and you're spraying everything, wiping everything down one thing at a time, you know lettuce yeah. leaf by lettuce leaf, and then after a while it's just like fuck it throw it in the fridge do you know what i mean and it's like i do think there is uh there's quite a lot of um inherent comedy in in, in the, everybody going through the same situation because it's quite a unique thing that and i think that's why the, that's the genius of writing a a mockumentary a comedy about uh, about lockdown things resonate with 
everybody. I think it's quite uh, quite unique, and you're quite uh, you're quite lucky. Um, to, I know. Yes. Thank God, of, thank God for COVID is not what I'm trying to say, but you know what I mean. Yeah, and I and I think it's about um, you know when writing it, the challenge was not to make it too heavy about COVID because I mean if if you you know if someone said to me watch this program, it's about families during COVID and lockdown, I would be like, oh no, no, don't really know if I fancy that. But so, but um, you know, we've really when I was writing it, and you know, with the producers and editors and, and things like that, we've I think we've done all a really good job on. On not making it too uh, COVID heavy, and just is like I say, it's about those things that we just all experienced, and uh, that's where the comedy is. And it's not something that relies on um, relies on COVID or lockdown. You know, we we can feel more without it being about COVID, and it's just about a uh, sort of family life in um, in the houses and how we've all uh, been coping with each with each other. And um, you know, like I say, it's an amazing. Uh, cast that we've got together you know um harriet thorpe uh, from absolutely fabulous sort of making her return to comedy um kelly shirley uh jessin piazzi uh holly matthews you know it's a really great um cast we've got together and uh yeah and i think all the families are just so although they're all linked together uh, in terms of they're all sort of like the same generational sort of family sort of thing um you know they're all very different households and very uh, different personalities well that's 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 the question i wanted to ask so is it is it a kind of interwoven like situation where everybody's related and it's just three different viewpoints into the same story yeah, so it's three houses. Um, so it's almost like this documentary crew. I guess the Amazon documentary crew have come in. They've sort of made contact with one family, uh, but there's three houses in this family. So you have um, my wife's mum. She's another household with her uh, partner, um, sort of the older ge- generation. And then you have um, uh, Kelly, Kelly's uh, brother in another house. You know, it's a gay. Uh, they have a gay relationship, gay partners uh, with their adopted daughter, and they're in a house together. And then we have sort of our houses: me, Kelly, uh, three kids, and my eccentric father who's come to live with us. That's Frank, right? Frank, yes. Who's? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you did. You ever watch um, the King of Queens? Oh, uh, I have seen it. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and it was there was this character called Arthur Spooner who plays this just really eccentric father-in-law in the house. Um, you know, he like lives in the basement, sort of thing, very eccentric. And I just I love that character. And I just yeah, there was just something that I I, I really kind of wanted the British uh, uh, a British version of Frank Spooner. And um, yeah, and that's kind of how we started creating uh, Frank, just with his bluntness. And uh, that's how he kind of got the the name Frank really because he was just so frank, frank. about the, yeah you know like um there's just suddenly you know I'm in like the bedroom in one scene with uh my partner and she's getting changed she's got her bra on she's getting changed and um my dad the character kind of walks in and, she, and Kelly kind of goes Frank you can't just come in with my bra and he goes settle down I've seen better <laughs> it's, it's, it, 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 it's just uh you know little things like that that uh he's just yeah it's just a great character to write about I love that the uh, the eccentric uh, eccentric guy who could say what well, the fuck he wants because he's old, <laughs> and it's just you know because they do exist like the, like the Father yeah. Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know he he. I mean, in the series as well, he's you know one of these people that's a very big conspiracy theorist as well. So that was fun to kind of have uh, <laughs> with COVID as well. You know, just uh, you know, I think he says you know if you take the jab you know your bollocks are going to be frozen off and stuff like that so yeah it was it was interesting just kind of having those uh little moments as well uh, so as, as part of this you're obviously a writer was the uh have you are you top to bottom the writer in this Is, uh, have you done it completely yourself or have you, have you sort of like 
join? Do you have anybody else helping you with it? Transferring to like screenplay? Yeah, I had like editors and stuff. So like I, I would write it, and um, originally just kind of had the characters and the premise of it, um, and then started writing the first episode and the sort of second episode. Um, and then yeah, then we sort of got editors involved because I mean I've not written for screen before. I've written kids books and done a bit theatre panto stuff and things like that. Um, so writing for television was very was very different, you know. Um, just just formatted it was completely different. Um, so yeah, so working with some editors that sort of dealt with television things before um, was really interesting, and yeah, they were really great to have because uh, there's some things that work in a kid's book and don't work on television so right, okay, yeah, yeah it, it, it's uh it was really great to, to have that so in terms of like creating all the characters in the show did you create all the characters individually and then sort of weld them together or did they sort of like form out of the story yeah i think the characters are always there for for me it's uh when i'm writing uh even for kids books or, any, or anything really the characters you've i've always got a kind of got a idea about what the characters uh are involved there i think there might be one or two characters sort of added towards um, the end of it, at the end of the writing, um, just what I felt like. Uh, so we have um, Susan and Peter that are sort of the two older people that live together in the house. Uh, and then I felt like there was there needed to be another character in that house, just felt like something was missing. So I added a character called Danielle, who is uh, the youngest daughter who's moved back in because her she was a wag sort of going out for a really famous footballer, uh, but the footballers cheated on her and now she's sort of moved back home to her mum's house and that 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 character sort of got added a bit later just because i felt there was something missing from that from that household and yeah it worked really well having this sort of uh you know thought that she had it made as a wag and you know sort of been dumped uh, by the fella and now she's kind of cum- crumbled back to mum and dad's house and uh, is just all over the place whilst in the lockdown uh, whilst there's a camera crew there <laughs> um so yeah that was really uh interesting to add that sort of dynamic to the at a late stage as well. So you, you said that the, um, the, the I mean, the, it's a whole series. Um, is is this one of those ones that, that gets it all gets dropped at the same time in the in the modern way, so that everybody can binge the lot of it um, at once? Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Um, I know we got we got four episodes, three sort of um, episodes in a Christmas special, uh, where the family kind of all sort of reunites. You know that sort of first Christmas where we were allowed to see family kind of again. Yeah, briefly for a day. Very briefly. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, uh, that was kind of the, um, the moment and that the nice way to sort of end the first series was just having us all kind of reunite after, you know, not being able to see each other and just sort of seeing all these uh, families that we've watched over three episodes, dealing with all their sort of shit at the same time, um, sort of all sort of reconnected and uh, having that moment again. Was the idea always to take it to screen, or did it begin its life in a in a, in a sort of different realm? Because obviously, as a writer, like obviously books are your thing, but screenplays and goes you know creating a TV series is a big jump from that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was something that I you know originally thought maybe it could be a play or something like that originally because I, I knew that there was something that. I wanted to express about COVID that wasn't a kid's book. Um, and so, you know, maybe sort of living in Stratford upon Avon, sort of Shakespeare town, maybe it'll just end up at sort of a local <laughs> theatre, a few of us sort of perform it. Um, but, you know, it, it just, it had legs and, you know, getting a few uh, opinions from other writers and stuff just said like, you know, you, this, this is like a natural 
mockumentary really you know rather than uh you sort of having these play having these families where you just kind of watch them it, it makes sense if you had like a a mockumentary crew sort of observing what they're doing and um yeah and it just all it just worked out really well so was that somebody somebody else that suggested the mockumentary element to it um yeah it was it, originally like right from the um get-go when it was uh you know just thinking about characters and having um you know having this kind of i think originally it was kind of um having the characters and then having sort of like a I was thinking maybe there'd be a screen and it'll see sort of see the different families interacting on Zoom, and then you kind of have a, a get together at the end where we all kind of reunited, but just seeing a bit of chaos in Zoom with families trying to connect to each other. I think that's sort of how it how it all started, and then it was just thinking, well, no, there's actually something in this. Why don't you think about, you know, there being a physical documentary crew that's covering just a pandemic because it's like a historic part of the way we've lived for a year. Um, and they're just, you know, um, recording what's going on with the families, and yeah, and that, and when that idea sort of came about, um, it was yeah, it was really interesting how quick uh, I was able to to write it because it was just a, a bit of a eureka moment, really, and uh, and yeah, it was fun. Uh, am I right in assuming as well that uh, would you have to try and find a director that would obviously would. would sort of lend itself to the mockumentary kind of style because there's lots of there's lots of pulls in that and there's obviously looks to camera are they are they the, the are they the tropes that are included in it as well yeah it was a, re- a really cool director called uh, martin thomas and just having all the uh the aspects and trying different things I, I think that was a really good thing about doing a mockumentary was you just you get the chance to do so much play and just just you know just seeing what works what doesn't work you know yeah. when, if there'd be a scene with me and kelly i mean because the kid would be long days filming sometimes and sometimes the kids would be, get a bit restless they'd naturally start winding each other up making a bit of noise that wasn't a part of it and like me and kelly are trying to do a scene perhaps in the kitchen as harry and hannah and um the kids are making just genuinely kids noise because they're getting a bit fed up with how long the day's been and our director might say no this is quite nice that it's real like the kids are kind of making a bit of noise in the background and you two are trying to have a conversation let's film it even though we're, so we're trying to do this scene you know whilst their kids are kind of having a slinging match in the room next door or something and trying to just uh to, to have that aspect of it was was uh was really interesting and yeah I, I think that was the you know the great thing about having martin as director uh is that we just got the chance to play we did takes where we uh would try a little look to a camera if there was a certain line that was funny um you know then we tried it without the and to see which one would work and yeah it was um it was really just a, a blast to kind of film and have that sense of uh play we were kind of let you know we had the lines but we were kind of allowed to use them as sort of guidelines really and just uh kind of do what we felt was natural so is that your first experience of kind of being on TV set and just seeing the whole kind of process evolve from, uh, you know, from a uh, from a TV set at a studio? Yeah, I've been to a few studios before, but this was the first time where I was really sort of thrown in the the heart of it in terms of acting in it, having meetings with the director before a take, um, you know, talking to the producers and setting up the scenes. And, and uh, we, you know, we all sort of, uh, we were, you know, we were all a massive ensemble, like the crew and the cast, you know, were, were helping out in um in in more or less every aspect. It wasn't the massive budget, you know, we had a we had um a, it was a very much of a team performance, you know. Um and uh yeah, it was really interesting just to kind of been thrown into the 
to the heart of that and see how it all happens. Is uh, is Kid Karma Carry On set in a real like town, or is it a, like a, a fictional town? Um, yeah, it's a it's a real town. We haven't really spent too much uh, time touching on it, but we always sort of envisioned it was you know just outside London, and that's kind yeah. of where we filmed anyway. It was kind of in that sort of North London area, and all the sets were their free real houses. You know, yeah, I was free... going to ask about that. So was was it your was your own home included in that? No, it was free okay. Airbnbs, to be honest. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that, Thank God for Airbnb. <laughs> that allow filming. And uh, it was, um, yeah, really important just to kind of have that that house feel and for it to be being that sort of sense of mockumentary and lockdown rather than a big studio and to make it look and feel as real as possible. Um, it was important, I think, to have those three small sort of uh, houses that we used. So have you produced it yourself or did you actually sort of contact people and... and involve other people i helped helped produce it but you know yeah, yeah. there were people that have kind of uh you know know their stuff more than me do and i because you, you mentioned there. quite a few like heavyweight actors in there like yeah. so how, how do you connect with those people to get them to be involved in in, in the thing that you've created uh well I, I think i was quite lucky so i had a pod podcast i did it over the first lockdown the second oh, lockdown and we we had a i just managed to through my literacy agent just get a few faces on had like gary lineker eddie izzard uh, <laughs> a, few, a few a few of these uh, guys on. Our way, mate. <laughs> yeah I've got have they got any controversial opinions <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure well you know what Ed, with eddie izzard that was uh he was she sorry was was running on the treadmill and just and a, a minute before i went live with eddie izzard the producer said to me just so you know eddie prefers female pronouns and i was like oh shit i'm gonna say something wrong i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna say something wrong and it was literally a minute before i i got put through to her uh, but luckily, when you're talking to them, you don't use, you realize that you don't actually use the pronouns. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. actually, all right. I had to do my intro a few times because I'd say, like, it's honor to talk to him. Oh, shit. Right. Got to redo <laughs> that bit. Um, but yeah, no. So, obviously, I had a podcast. But yeah, with um, Kelly and Jess uh, and Holly, they just all came on the podcast, kept in contact with them. And, and when I wrote the, the first episode, sent it their way and just said, look, we haven't got the biggest budget in the world, but like, do you like this character? I thought perhaps you could play them. What do you think? And luckily, they they loved it and and said they'd do it. So um and Kelly got Harriet Thorpe involved, who um was on absolutely fabulous because um she sort of called it a favour with her and said you know I think you'd be great for this part. Do you want to do it? And so yeah, it just kind of uh, happened from there. Really, I think uh, it's uh, good to have those kind of contacts. So I'll try and throw some of them your way when I can. <laughs> Absolutely. Any of those that have mildly controversial opinions that don't involve religion or a politics, then we're all over that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Are they still available, Judge, Lawrence? Judge Rinder. Yeah, it's called the Shapes of Stories. So they're on um, uh, Spotify. Uh, you know, I Apple i podcast honestly i love a podcast whenever in the car i just listen to podcasts so what's it called the shapes of what the shapes of stories right okay yeah i had a few like uh rob rinder the judge rinder guy came on um ellie simmons yeah uh, yeah sanita um so yeah <laughs> simon it <was> really... cowell <laughs> and then not Simon. we did talk about her and simon cowell though, <clears> so that was cool <throat> um but yeah no that was interesting to, to have those guys on so yeah i keep in contact with you so i'll um I'll happily ask uh, if they have any controversial things to share. Well, I, I, I've got an hour and a half drive in the morning, so I'm going to like tune into your find your podcast. There you go. That's the that, that's the deal. Yeah, yeah. You, you see yeah, if you... Uh, any of your previous guests want to come on ours and just 
have a drink, cock about talking about mildly controversial opinions. And when I say mildly controversial opinions, we are talking things like um, I'd rather uh, I'd rather not have a biscuit than have a bourbon. Things like that. Do you know what I mean? That's the kind of level we're at. That, that's yeah. that, that's why we enjoy them so much. There's a fair swap. Me and Basil listen to every podcast you've ever done in re- in return for you like, like you okay pointing people our way. And we'll buy right. all your books. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm really really excited. Um, yeah. uh, to watch this show now because I'm I'm properly like because I know you now I'm I'm properly emotionally invested in this <laughs> in this thing now so Get I'll be like to watch it. oh I'll, I'll be telling everyone <laughs> like, oh yeah watch this thing on September the twentieth me and my, my mates on it do you know what I mean yeah absolutely <laughs> spent an hour spent an hour effectively on a Zoom call with you now now we're bezies so that's it I'll just say yeah <laughs> absolutely like, oh, my mates doing this thing go and watch it <laughs> so I know uh, a tiny bit about your background but you mentioned before about being a um a children's author mm-hmm. um and but i know before that you were a teacher um yeah talk me through the transition from teacher to um to children's author well yeah i, I think it was one of these things as a second i was doing secondary school teaching so i taught drama and english and um and yeah, I think it was, I miss being creative because before I was a teacher, I, I was doing a lot of acting. You know, I did, did uh, pantos, musicals, uh, worked in Disneyland for a couple of years <laughs> uh, on some shows there in Paris, um, which was fun. But yeah, you know, and it was sort of felt like it got to the stage where as you get a bit older and, you know, you, you, you have to sort of think about bills and a bit more, have a bit more of an income that you kind of think I have to kind of get a real job now. And um yeah, and that's sort of where the teaching aspect came into it. But just missed being, um, missed being creative, and uh, you know, it was just um, in my spare time from teaching, was start to write uh, different children's books. Something that I always wanted to do because you know, I, I mean, being a big fan of Roald Dahl when I, when I was a kid, that was sort of my, uh, you know, I have a two or three inspirations, but Roald Dahl's one of those two or three sort of main ones, and uh, that just any anyone that has that creativity and um and always wanted to do it and uh yeah and sort of had this idea for a for a children's story whilst i was teaching and um yeah luckily uh i guess people thought it had legs and uh when the second book came out uh my second children's book called terror at the sweet shop that was kind of my my book that i was able to sort of take go away from teaching for a while and and just um go around been around the country touring schools and libraries and uh some done a few waterstones appearances and things like that and yeah it was just uh surreal to think you know your your uh, book that you sort of think of just in your head just all these silly sort of ideas uh, is something that a class of kids might read at school and enjoy it so it was uh difficult to to believe it it was really because you know you feel like when you're writing these kids books you feel like sometimes you're being a bit silly because you're being you're sort of going back to your childhood a bit and you're thinking oh i'm writing so much shit uh, but, but kids kids love love kids love stuff like fart kids jokes, love shit. <laughs> oh yeah they do and uh you know you make a you know just saying the word fart in a kid's school they're all in hysterics and they think it's yeah it's a it's a winner a fart joke and um yeah, and and that's how it it all happened, really. So how many um, how many kids books have you written now? I've got four four kids books. Yeah, I've got another one that's uh, I've got like two that's sort of waiting to go, but I think because of COVID, I haven't really been able to sort of press ahead as much as I'd like to with them, just because you kind of been waiting for the tour um, to be able to go ahead to do school visits and stuff like that. But now the schools are back after some holidays, and hopefully COVID's kind of 
gone away, um, I'll be able to go back out of there and, and do a few more things. Is that the main adjustment to writing a story for children? Is it? Is it? Do you have to take something out of it, or do you have to sort of like, just take yourself back to being a child to write it? Because obviously, you, you, you could probably write about lots of, lots of different subjects, but do you have to sort of put yourself in a certain mindset to write children's literature? Yeah, I think so. I think you have to go back to when you were a kid and just think of like fun, the funniest moments um, that you remember from being at school, really, and teachers and just, and you know, jokes that your friends had all that day, something really funny happened in the playground at school that you just, it just stuck with you. Uh, and just uh, thing, things like that. I mean, Terror at the Sweet Shop was my most popular children's book out of the four. And I always wondered why that was. But I, you know, I think something in it is, um, it's because it's the most sort of real um, in terms of stuff from me, from from my experience at school. Some of my teachers really exaggerated. Some of the uh, the students really exaggerated. Some funny things that happened with a stink bomb, for, for example, you know, it's really exaggerated. To, and there's elements in that book that are real. And I think kids feel that when there's something re- sort of real, element of real life that they can relate to in it. And um, and real, like I said, real people with the teachers and stuff like that, but just really exaggerating their flaws and stuff and, and things. And um, yeah, and I, you know, and I think that's something that I really, uh, a really, um, any any author, aspiring author should really look to do that is stuff from your own childhood, or if you have kids, your kids, um, the, the childhood and stuff they're going through at school. I think it's really important to to have that that level that they really um, tune into. Are you looking now more down the uh, writing more kids books or are you looking more down the, you know, um, writing more comedy for TV or plays like you mentioned before? What do, What's um, what's the general direction of where you're going next? Well, wherever the money is. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> um, no I, you know. I, I, Only I, fans. <laughs> Um, you know, I've got a couple of kids' books ready to go, like I said. Um, I'm hoping, you know, I'll be able to write another series of Keep Calm and Carry On. Um, hopefully, you know, people watch it and, you know, once the, people want a second series of it, because I feel like we're just scratching the surface with the first and, uh, you know, there's more journeys characters can go on. Um, but even thought about writing, you know, adult books and, and things like that, potentially. So what I wanted to ask about that. Is, is, is there a possibility of transitioning into, like, you know, making it you know, into grown-up literature? Mate, you just delete all the fart jokes. Yeah. Well, that's it, yeah. Um, yeah, it's something that I'd like to think I could do, but then I worry, like, you know, my... Uh, my children's books are short novels. They're very sort of roll dial length, you know, they're not particularly long. And I, you know, part of me wonders, could I write, could I, have I got the attention span myself to write a story that's for adults that, that's that long? Because, uh, you know, I don't know if I, I mean, I do like Stephen King, we're a Stephen King fan, and I think, well, I'd like to read, I'd like to write something like this. But at the same time, you know, you talk, you have to describe, you know, the light coming through the trees and through the window, and it's all that, oh, and I'm, I'm just not sure if I'm, I'm out there. Sounds too yeah too much of that this might Um, seem like a really weird question but like obviously there are some great literature in like throughout history is is there a way that you could take take i don't know off the top of my head the great gatsby and turn it into a children's novel just by by sort of breaking you know changing the language that's used yeah there's scope for that and it's really interesting to you know i i I often look what's 
every year you uh, new things come into the public domain which means you're allowed to use it like this right. year i found out you could anyone can use popeye now popeye oh, really? so if you wanted to write a book or write a film about popeye he, he, you can use him it's fair use now uh you know i think there's there's something uh definitely in that and it's sort of retelling stories um you know it's, it's finding something that hasn't been done because people do jump on things you know i mean shakespeare's stuff's been done to death in terms mm. of kids adaptations now um but yeah it's really yeah horrible horrible histories have done the uh, shakespeare with fart jokes yeah oh yeah exactly so that that's the niche for me gone um but yeah, there's things you know, like Peter Pan's public domain. Alice and Wonder, you know, it's really interesting when you sort of Google what's in the public domain. There's this like a massive list of things, and you know, and uh, there's something you know interesting about looking more into that. Um, but you know, but then again, it's finding the how you uniquely how to sort of make it its own, uh, make its own version of it, and you know, do your own unique sort of spin on it. That's the that's the challenge. Right, Baz. Um, okay, so uh, the time has come. Um, I'll, I'll try not to cry, but this is the, um, the, the, the we're getting to the end now of the last ever lock in podcast. So, um, Baz, for the last time, do you want to ask your um, your traditional question? Okay. Um, so, Lauren, a couple of questions like what's up next for you? And obviously, where can people find you and keep up to date with you? And what's in the pipeline for you? Brilliant. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, obviously, Keep Calm Carry On coming out uh, September 28th. I'm really excited to, to for you know people to watch that. I think uh, you know I think when people be able to, I think people just people being able to see it. I think you know once you getting it out there to the people is um, important because I think it will do really well. You know I think yeah we really had a really big fun time um, filming it. So yeah I'm hoping people will tune into that and we could do another series of it because um, you know it's uh, being amazing to create those characters and you know we have more stuff planned with them so yeah keep calm carry on hopefully stuff happens to that in the future uh, more kids books coming out um yeah and we'll see we'll see if i can give a go of uh, an adult book of any kind or failing that fall on popeye <laughs> <laughs> so head to lawrenceprestige.com is it .com <laughs> Yeah, lawrenceprestige.com. Uh, um, you can find me on Instagram under Prestige Books. Uh, my Twitter is lprestige7. And, uh, yeah, Facebook, I have a page and just Lawrence Prestige. I'm going to go follow all of those. There you go. Go Thank and you. follow all of those <laughs> things. So uh, the time's come. That's it. Um, the bell has rung for the last time for last orders in the uh, the brace of readlings. Uh, the grumpy landlord's been round. He's taken our beers away. Um, me and Baz are uh, me and Baz are off for one last virtual fight outside a virtual kebab house uh, before we get a virtual taxi home. Um, so that's it. The brace of readlings is no more. Um, as of next week, we are the um, the mildly controversial podcast. So um, tell your friends um, it's the place to be. Um, there'll be no religion, no politics, just two. Um, middle-aged social media chances sparking furious debate about things that don't really fucking matter. Um, so subscribe, hit the bell. Um, you know, everything you need to do to help us uh, uh, to uh, promote uh, the fact that we're changing the name and we're changing the format, please do that. Um, thanks to Lawrence for today. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed your company. Um, can't wait for the show to come out. 
Um, again, just to uh, just to reiterate, it's September the 28th. It's called Keep Calm and Carry On, and it is on Amazon Prime. Um, so, yeah, thanks to Lawrence for today. Thanks to Baz for 55 episodes of the Lock-In podcast. We're not going anywhere. We're still going to be here cocking about every week. We're just calling it something different and having a slightly different slant to the podcast. So, so uh, thanks everyone, and we will see you next week for the uh, for the mildly controversial podcast. In the meantime, for the last ever time in the lock-in, cheers, everybody! Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. cheers.